Yo, what's happening, everybody? This is the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. At I screwed it up. This is the Full Tilt Devi Podcast. This is season one, episode three. We are presented by Underdog, and it's kind of a new look, kind of a new vibe. If you missed the show on Tuesday, I don't know what you were thinking. A near one in a lifetime opportunity, it feels like, from a podcast that's been around for 22 months we've had 126 episodes this is episode 127 in total for the brand and we sat down with the goat himself jj zacharyson of of uh, late round qb fame and just an unbelievable conversation go check that out on the youtube page um managed by the now social media manager full tilt dynasty that's uh at the cute hurt so shout out to him he's Basically rebranded the entire thing and how it looks, and it looks all pretty and stuff. Couldn't do it without him. And look, on and look, I know people hate when we ramble on for like a couple of minutes, but you're gonna have to bear with me because a lot of shit has gone down, and I gotta get everybody caught up to speed. Not only has Lucas completely turned around our YouTube page, remanaged the Twitter page. I just want to give a shout out to FT underscore Maddie who is recovering from COVID, his whole family, he's pulling it through. So shout out to him for making it through that because that's still a thing, even though people might want to forget that, it's still a thing. So shout out to him for that. And also, we've recently launched the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast Patreon page. And in that Patreon page, if you go to Full Tilt Dynasty on Patreon, it is a free entry into the Full Tilt Dynasty Discord right now. And you're going to want to get in there. The first 25 people that get into the discord are automatically entered for our next giveaway, which is a Debo Samuel signed Jersey. All you got to do is hop in that discord, check it out, stick around, win more prizes, lots of stuff happening in there, including full tilt dynasty discord leagues, all going to be able to win prizes in the leagues. Lots of stuff happening. We are expanding, rebranding, whatever you want to call it, but we're growing and getting to interview great guests, which on June 28th, Pat Dougherty of NBC Sports Edge is coming back to the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast to talk navigating OTA blurbs, what's real and what's not. So that's June 28th. You're not going to want to miss that either. And we're not stopping. We're going all the way through. I can't, I, I honestly couldn't be more excited. I, of course, am your host of the most hundred hands. Joining us today, producing backstage is Lucas at the Cute Hurt. So shout out to him. You can find me. At, at Thomas Tipple FF. My fun fact of the day is I was seasoning my slow roast beef in the kitchen and I got a whack ton of Cajun seasoning shoved up my nose. So I get to deal with that all day. Yeah, we were talking about that pre show and it sounds just awful, but it's the worst. Anyways, <laughs> I'm Andy uh, at A Star FF on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there posting some threads and whatnot. Uh, my fun fact for the day, it's not going to be fun for Thomas and the rest of Canada, but with uh, the elimination of Edmonton of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the drought oh, continues. Yeah. <laughs> Edmonton will not let another team win a championship. I'm convinced. Also, I remember a long time ago, Lucas said he missed the sound of our cans opening when we were drinking on live. So that one there, that's that's Oof. for Lucas. I'm he already said open. He I got a... Yeah. I got Founders All Day IPA, so okay. shout out to I'm, them. I'm going Mike's Hard uh, because uh, I, I still love that brand because I still feel 15 inside. Um, it's not about the age. It's how you Zima. feel. All right, Andy. I know every show says this, and it's a very much a cliche, but we do have a lot uh, on the docket today. A lot of teaching uh, will be done today for me as I am a Devi noob, which is what the point of this show was. If you haven't listened to us before, uh, the Full Tilt Devi podcast started because I joined my first ever Devi league. I knew nothing about it. I was rolling the dice and I was like, what better way to humiliate myself in this Devi in this Devi world than to do a podcast dedicated to other people learning about Devi football while we make our mistakes through the way. So that's what we're doing here, Andy. But today you wanted to kick off with something a little a little different. So what do you want to fire off today to kick us off? Uh, you know, this we're in like the doldrums of college football right now. Like spring practices are over, summer camps haven't started up, so we're just kind of like starving for news. Uh, I did find some uh rankings like projected ap rankings come out on collegefootballnews.com 
So I figured we'd go over those for a little bit and, you know, nitpick at that and see, you know, what we agree with and what we, what we think is overrated, what we think is underrated and just start there. Right. So one of the first things that stick out to me when I'm looking at this, the Florida Gators at 24 seems a little light to me. Uh, I just believe that I, I just think Florida is going to do really well this year. And I don't think for 24, uh, I think 24 is a little bit of a slight uh, personally shout out to the Tennessee volunteers uh, alma mater of our own uh, Lucas. They are ranked 20th in these predictions polls, but I want to ask you, Andy, what stands out to you the most in this top 25 predictions? So first I'll start with the teams that I think are a bit uh, overrated. And the one that stuck out the most was USC. Uh, well, I shouldn't say the most. I would, I'll, I'll give the, these two teams a tie as far as like overratedness. But uh, USC, uh, we all know Lincoln Riley moved over there from Oklahoma. Uh, and he brought with him Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, uh, basically, you know, every all the playmakers from his offense at Oklahoma. And then they just get Jordan Addison with that big NIL deal. So the offense is going to be stacked. Uh, they also get transfers from Oregon. Travis Dye, who was their leading rusher at Oregon last year. Austin Jones right. was the leading rusher at Stanford last year. Jeez. That's going to be – yeah, <laughs> like the offense is is set. Uh, no issues there. Um, the problem that I have is their defense. And Lincoln Riley, historically, his teams have never been that good on defense. Usually they're, you know, right in the 50 percentile range. Last year, Oklahoma was 76. I think the best his defense ever finished was in 2020, which is like in the 30th range. Um, but now he takes over USC, which was the 89th ranked defense last year. Um, he does bring in the sixth ranked recruiting class. Uh, but obviously, like I said, the majority of those guys are coming into play offense uh, with the exception of they did get the fifth ranked recruit in the class. Who's a cornerback. His name's Damani Jackson and a transfer freshman All-American from uh, Arizona State, Eric Gentry. But I don't think those guys are going to be, you know, too much of a difference maker on this defense, which was not very good. Uh, and then, you know, looking at their schedule last year, they finished four and eight, which is obviously not good. Uh, we know their offense is going to be great this year. Uh, Lincoln Riley's, he doesn't have bad offenses, but they've got some, you know, with this defense, they're going to have to win some track meets and they're playing some decent offenses. Uh, even teams like uh, Fresno state uh, with uh, Jay Kaner and Jalen Cropper there. They can put up, you know, 30 points a game easy on you. Uh, U Utah, they obviously won the Pac-12 last year. That's not going to be an easy game. Cal is always tough. UCLA is always tough. They get Notre Dame towards the end of the year, which is, you know, say what you want about Notre Dame. They lose Brian Kelly. I think they're probably going to take a step forward this year. I think they're going to have a better quarterback uh, now that – Right. Uh, well, I can't even think of his name. He played at Wisconsin. He's, he's off to the NFL. And then Washington State, you know, they just got Cameron Ward, who we've talked about before. You know, if if the, if he's as advertised, that offense is going to be a tough too, tough task too. And you know, that game could turn into a track meet easily. Um, so if we're saying they're a top ten team, I think you know that insinuates they're going to win 10, 11, maybe even twelve games. Um, and I just don't see it. I think you know they've got at least five 50-50 games on this schedule. Um, you know, if they can come away with three or four of them, then maybe, yeah, eight, but I think uh, eight's a little too high. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't see, I just, I think it's a, I do think it's a very big bump because of the players they, they transferred over. And yeah. we, we, this is really the first time where you've seen such insane movement and we've seen NFL teams be unable to put their teams together after building you know, a ton of free agents or drafting a bunch of rookies. Right. We don't know how it's really going to operate at the college level either. Some people say it's quote unquote easier. The difference is if it doesn't work in the first three games of your season, you could be screwed and it could be a loss for you as a whole. So very interesting to see. I understand USC being overrated. Very surprised at the Clemson uh, overrated pick by you. Walk us through why Clemson's overrated at four. So Clemson's defense was never an issue. So it's kind of the opposite here as what we had with USC. They were the second ranked scoring defense last year, eighth ranked in total defense. 
but it's that uh, it's that offense. You know, they they finished a hundredth in total offense last year. Uh, they obviously get Will Shipley back, who's got a year under his belt now. Uh, hopefully, he can stay healthy. I think he missed you know a handful, of not you know a few games with injury last year. Um, and it's going to be really be up to him to will this offense to score more points. Um, but obviously the biggest issue is that quarterback with DJ Uyunglele. Um, in the passing game, they lose Justin Ross, who is obviously with the Chiefs now and is getting the, you know, some dynasty love as a, even as an undrafted free agent. Uh, they also lose uh, Ajao Ajao, uh, which uh, transferred to South Florida. He didn't play much last year, but he was a highly recruited player. And he was obviously a depth piece to that wide receiver room. And also their, their, um, their biggest freshman recruit at wide receiver, Adam Randall, tore his ACL in spring practice. So it's not looking good right now. They, it's really Will Shipley and then nothing else. Um, and then it comes down to, will DJU even close out the season as a starter? I think a lot of people think, no, he probably won't if he plays anywhere near like he did last year. They bring in Cade Klubnick. Uh, who's the highly touted five-star quarterback. And, you know, if you look at their schedule, you know, they get some uh, cakewalks early in the season with Georgia Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech. But then they play Wake Forest and NC State uh, late September, early October. And those are going to be tough games. Those are teams that, you know, finished well in the big in the, uh, in the ACC a season ago. And if there's any sign that, you know, DJU struggling, I think it's not out of the question that, he gets pulled and, you know, it's Cade club next season. Um, but my biggest issue is this, you know, this four ranking kind of insinuates that this is a playoff team. Right. Uh, and there's just way too many question marks on offense right now to say for me to say, okay, this team's going to make the college football playoff. So that's why I'm calling it overrated. I think part of this is I feel like they are, not, I guess, kind of pressured into putting a team like Clemson at four and USC at eight, because very rarely do the top four teams stay the top four teams come right. week seven. Like Bama's always there, right? But I mean, look at Georgia. Like Georgia is a phenomenal team. They're number three. They're likely. Can they stay there? We don't know. Is Ohio State going to stay at two? We don't know because there's teams like Texas A and M that we were talking off air just got a massive haul of talent coming in, pissing off uh, our boy, Nick Saban. Right. And, and Michigan state's always a good team. Uh, the Wolverines are, are, are coming back. The fighting Irish are always really frustrating. We don't know what Ole Miss is going to do. And then there's always some team either ranked outside of the top 25 or low end in the 25 that make this unreal run and everyone argues whether or not they should be in the playoff or out of the playoff or they don't deserve it, strength of schedule. I don't expect this top four to stay this way. But if there was a team that I would bounce out of this top four, it would be Clemson. Yeah, easily. I think everyone's pretty comfortable saying, you know, at least one of Alabama or Georgia is going to be in the playoff. Just for reference, you know, we're looking at these rankings. Alabama's one, Ohio State's two, Georgia's three. So I think, you know, we can safely say one of the SEC teams is in. Ohio State, you doubt they're going to lose to Michigan two years in a row, so they're probably in. Um, and, and then, yeah, Clemson's really the odd man out here. What's going to be very tough, and I, I want to move on. I want to move on to the teams you think are underrated because I want to talk about Oregon. Uh, Oregon is coming in at 14 on this list and say what you want about the list. You cannot agree about the list. The best part about a list is that it springs conversation, right? And that's what we're here for. Right. Chances are nobody's lists are going to look exactly the same. We're going to talk about that when it comes to different sites, having different players ranked in different places. That's where we get comparable data from. They're not all going to look the same. You're allowed to disagree for right now, we're going 14 with Oregon, and I think for them to move past the underrated, I think winning week one, Saturday, September 3rd, versus the Georgia Bulldogs, defending champion, thanks to a JMO injury, Georgia Bulldogs, first game up against Oregon, I think that's huge for them. That's a 3:30 game. That's prime real estate in college football. I think if they win this game, I believe your underrated will go in a positive direction. 
But I think if they lose this game and lose this game badly, given the rest of their schedule, I I think they're going to stick in that underrated uh, category. But I don't. I think it'll be for reason, not because they're actually underrated. Right. Yeah, and that's a game that they can win. Um, last year, for example, Georgia played Clemson, who we know struggled obviously, and Clemson, you know, gave them a run for their money. For as good as Georgia is was last year, they could have easily lost that game. Um, so if you're going to beat a team week one's the time to do it. Um, but yeah, Oregon, so they're going through a big transition. They just lost their head coach, Mario Cristobal, who's out. He goes to Miami to be the head coach there. They bring in Georgia defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning. Um, he takes over the 72nd ranked defense, which arguably has the best linebacker core in the country, uh, next to maybe Alabama. They get Noah Sewell, who probably the best linebacker in the country. Uh, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick easily next year. Really out of that front seven, the only person they lose is Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, but other than that, it, it remains pretty much intact. They do lose three starters in their secondary, but they bring in two high four stars uh, to fill those needs. Um, and they get a big playmaking safety, uh, Bennett Williams back, who missed most of 2021 with an injury, which is uh, nice to have him back because he might have gone pro had he played the entire season. And right. then l- looking at, the offense, for as much as we shit on him, they do get an improvement at quarterback with Bo Nix, who's the transfer from uh, Auburn. He's had a, mm-hmm. you know, come he come came in as a pretty highly touted recruit, never really lived up to expectations. He's been okay at Auburn, uh, but I think a change of scenery is not going to be the worst thing for him. Uh, their running backs room, they lose Travis Dye, who we talked about going to USC, and. Uh, C.J. Verdell, who is now in the NFL. But uh, they get Byron Cardwell back, who I think is a really good running back. They bring in Jordan James, who's a freshman, who I think could be a good running back. And Minnesota transfer Marquis Serving, who had a really good season last year. And this might be a bit of a hot take, but I feel like they do have the best three-wide set in the in the Pac-12. And uh, that's Dante <laughs> Thornton, uh, Troy right. Franklin, and Seven McGee, who's a converted running back. Um, and that's, you know, including USC's Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. I think that Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, and Seven McGee could turn out to be the best-looking receiving group in this conference. Uh, but like you said, tough opener against Georgia. But after that, they get, you know, that Pac-12 conference uh, schedule. And, you know, you look down right. the line. Utah, who obviously they lost to in the in the conference championship. Cal, Washington State might be tough. BYU is always a tricky game. You know, I could see them win, winning eleven games, pretty easily. Anywhere from nine to eleven, even if they lose that that first game to Georgia. So I think they're a top ten team, and they play in a really bad side of that Pac-12 conference. They don't have to deal with USC. They don't have to deal with Utah. They're going to be in that Pac-12 championship game, so they're going to have a chance to win that. And if they win that, then you know I think that automatically puts you in the top ten. Yeah, I I think that you're saying they had the best three wide receiver sets. I think that's kind of interesting to hear, considering when you look at the 2021 statistics for the Oregon Ducks receiving core, it is not kind. It is no. bad. It is so bad. One player excited i i kind of like how he looked last year he's a big boy 6'6 243 listed so we know that's fake 100 fake that's not actually how big he is but terrence ferguson i think he had a fairly decent freshman year at oregon he had 16 receptions 133 yards two touchdowns uh i'm excited to see him develop and i want to see he he's somebody and i know we we discussed on the very first episode that tight ends in in college football are a nightmare scenario. Yeah. But in this offense and what I think they can do, I think that Ferguson is a player that I am 100% going to be watching to see if he can make, if he makes any sort of leap in college football in his sophomore season at his size. All right. Now the bells are going up. Now I'm interested so he's a player on that team I'm watching for. I like him a lot. You have one more team. Let's talk Baylor before we move on. Let's talk Baylor. Why is Baylor underrated? 
this one I'm not going to get too much into. Uh, I think the the Big 12 is down this year. They obviously the Oklahoma's lost their coach. They lost all their players. So Oklahoma's usually the cream of the crop over there. Granted, they did lose. They they weren't in the Big 12 championship last year. Um, so the schedule is going to be easier, I think, than in years past. Uh, they do lose a lot of their offensive production. So this might be a little shocking to see them on like the underrated where they lose Tyquan Thornton, Abram Smith, yep. Tristan Ebner. Uh, they lose Jerry Bohannon who played the majority of their stamps at quarterback last year, but the Not reason he transferred out. So there, there's, no. there's a chance for, for greater pastures. Exactly. Because Blake Shapin, who is the guy who basically ran him out of town, uh, he started that Big 12 championship last year uh, where they ended up beating Oklahoma State. Uh, and just, you know, it, he played a really good game, you know, 70% completion. His yards per attempt wasn't anything to, you know, write home about. But, it, you know, a solid game. And this was going against the fifth-ranked defense in the country. So I don't think it's anything to, you know, scoff at to say that he played a nice, consistent game against this defense and basically did what he wanted to do against them. So, uh yeah, and I love their coach uh, who's coming back again. I, I just feel like, you know, they're coming off a high season and, you know, where they're at ranks now, I just feel it's a little low. Big 12 is down. Uh, Texas, say what you will about them, they're, they're still new, green, if you want to call it that. With uh, right. Quinn Ewers, they could make some mistakes. Granted, they get them at the end of the season, so I don't know what the, what – you know what it's going to look like at that point in time. Hey, Quinn's going to light but, him up, baby. He's going to light him up. He He's could. going to light everyone up this year. Heisman. Heisman 2022, Quinn Ewers. Count it. Book yeah. it. Please, if, God. If put, I think it, that's a good bet right now. I think the odds on it are pretty uh, favorable. So if you want to put a future down on that, it's not a bad not a bad shout. Yeah, I need it for my Debbie team. All right? He was my first pick. I need it to happen so I could smash, beat you in that league year one and walk away with the 2022 Heisman in my first ever Debbie League. I need that in my life for my morale, my ego, my everything, and so I can 100% take a giant dump on you on this podcast and let Man. everyone know about it. I've already warned him, everyone, if he loses to me in year one, it's going to be a nightmare. We know he drafted David Montgomery in the least Full Tilt Dynasty podcast brand move of all time. That... You drafting David Montgomery in the fifth gets more, deserves more shit than me drafting Ezekiel Elliott in the seventh. Okay, so the rule's gonna be a courts in session for Jacob one day in the People VRTDB. It's coming up. When you zig, you, when you when they zig, you zag. That's what I like to say. Oh my God! So Lucas in the back right now. We talked about nil deals. Lucas in the back right now. Uh, he just ran a piece of news bias that apparently it is rumored that a five-star recruit in 2023 has signed a $8 million NIL deal. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know where he's pulling the info, but I'm running with yeah. it because we have a producer on these shows now, and, and that's what he's going to pass. So you can at him at the cute hurts if that turns out to be wrong. Not me. Yeah, so that was, but, uh, that's Tennessee's guy. It's Nico Yamaleva. Yam- I don't even know. Yamaleva. So you can, you can, I got to work on that one. I can do, I can do we younger Lele, but I can't do this. <laughs> this one's too new. You got a couple yeah. of years to work on it. We're going to take a quick break. I want to show you a clip from our show with JJ Zacharyson. When we come back, we are going to get into ranking disparity in the Devi world and what that actually means. Sit tight and joy. And remember you can find this show right now on YouTube at the full tilt dynasty podcast. Enjoy. I approach my work from the standpoint of like answering questions, right? Hmm. So I'll ask a question. I'll go research that, that question, try to find an answer. Sometimes I don't find an answer. And I, I think a lot of times that, you know, there are people within the space who go search that answer. They don't find an answer, but they just spend a lot of time trying to find that answer. So they just kind of force it. Right. And they just create these, mm-hmm. these narratives and build these studies around something mm-hmm. where there's not really an answer, but they just did so much work that they feel like they need to publish something. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that, that you have to feel okay, you know, with spending time trying to discover something and it not being anything, uh, it's happened, you know, it happens all the time to me. Um, so just use that curiosity and try to answer those questions.
it's absolutely insane that we had JJ Zacharyson on the podcast. Like it is, I remember he popped in and we all kind of thought at the same time, he goes, what's up? And we all thought we had someone had hit play on a podcast. Like it was, we all listened to JJ on our way to work that day. That day we all listened. It was insane. It was an honor. It was a privilege. Just unbelievably learned a lot. Was so nervous. Every time I went to speak, I had completely forgotten what I was going to say. It has never happened to me. I don't know if you know this or not, Andy. I have a lot to say and I can talk into this microphone a lot. I was lost for words. I was just, so yeah, that, that's my fanboy. It's out of my system now. That was a great show. And I feel like that clip right there, I feel like he was like talking to me directly because I've I've been guilty of that. We're just you put in the effort and you're like, all right, I gotta build my narrative here. I've already uh I've already put in the effort here. Let me uh form some some sort of conclusion that might not be true, but <laughs> you're right. You feel pressured to putting it out. Yeah, that unbelievable advice so if you're an aspiring content creator that is definitely an episode to watch look we're at 27 minutes so far i mean it'll come up as less because we ran a little bit earlier but that's not the point why don't you explain to the people what we are doing next all right so i went to gather rankings the debbie rankings specifically from debbie royale and campus to canton uh no disrespect to the other debbie uh services uh, they just, I, I, I couldn't find their rankings, uh, or they were behind a paywall that I wasn't going <laughs> to do just for this show. But, um, you know, uh, Ray G over at Destination Debbie and then uh, a few other guys, uh, Brandon. Do love Ray G. Do love Ray yes. G. So those guys, I'm sorry if you had rankings, uh, I didn't include them here, but Debbie Royale and Campus again, which I really appreciate what they do for the Debbie and C2C space. Uh, I, we looked at their rankings and, uh, I, I went specifically into quarterback running back and wide receiver and just found a couple things that I noticed were different. Sometimes there's a big disparity. Sometimes it's a simple disparity, but you know, we're going to talk about some of these things. Awesome, man. Who do you want to start with today? All right. So the first, we'll just kick it off with quarterbacks. Um, and I'm, the, the guy I want to talk about is Will Levis. Uh, he transferred from Penn state in 2020, uh, moved to Kentucky. Uh, he had a solid season last year. Uh, he went through 66%, completed 66% of his passes, uh, 2,827 yards, 24 TDs, and 13 touchdowns. Uh, Not great. Let me, let me pull up the rankings here. I know, so Debbie Royale has them as their QB6. First of all, I'll just say like the top five for both of these services, which they are behind a paywall so i'm not gonna spoil their rankings on the, on our show here but uh the top five for both of them uh were basically the same same five guys and you know a little bit of a shuffled order um but so will levis was qb6 for debbie royale and at campus to canton he was way down at qb23 so a bit of a that disparity is, there that is a big disparity yes so that was the one where i was like okay well we got to talk about this yeah um, and i I know where Debbie Royale is coming from because his stock has gone up this offseason, largely in part due to several mock drafts, um, anointing him as basically a top 10 pick, uh, which I personally, I just cannot support it. I think it's projection to the highest level. He's done really nothing to show us that he can be a top 10 pick to this point. Uh, he had, you know, he had a decent season, like I said, last year. Uh, he's been in the, in the league since in, in college since 2018. So he was actually draft eligible in 2020. So if we're projecting him as a top 10 pick now, there's, I mean, there's no reason why he wouldn't have declared for the draft last year when, you know, we literally had no QB taken before pick 20. Um, so right. in, in my opinion, if he goes out and has, you know, that's what he's going to have to do is go out and have a Kenny Pickett like mega season, uh, without his top target, by the way, Wandale Robinson, who's no longer there, he does get Tavian Robinson in, who you know is similar to Wandale, but not quite exactly the same. A new Robinson. But yeah, it's it kind of fits nicely. But to me, I just feel like Levis has day three pick written all over him. Maybe late day two, maybe early day two at the very absolute ceiling. So for me, I'm 
I'm ruling in favor of the campus to Canton ranking here at QB 23. I think that's a decent spot for him. Like I said, he's getting the, the, the draft Nick hype of the guy saying that he's going to be a top 10 pick. So I think you do have to take that into consideration. Uh, but obviously those guys aren't a hundred percent either. You know, we we saw Sam Howell be a top 10 pick and Malik Willis and all these other guys. So you, you got to take it with a grain of salt and, you know, trust your process from time to time as well too. He's behind the eight ball because he has to go out and be almost, I, in my opinion, right on par with Kenny Pickett. And if guys like Howell who have had a better career than Levis, I just don't see if, and, and I'll say this because it's easy to go like, he didn't even do as good as this guy in college and he got drafted here. I get that. Right. But what I'm, and this is what I'm thinking is going to happen right now with the NFL is I'm choosing to believe that the NFL is maybe hopefully getting smarter, maybe in not reaching for these quarterbacks because they had one great year of success. I think Joe Burrow was a different case because he had an all time great college football season and Kenny Pickett. (laughs) Exactly. And I think Kenny Pickett, got the benefit of the doubt from going to Pitt, being drafted by Pittsburgh, them desperately needing a quarterback, and him being the shiniest turd of the pile, I think is what did it for him. And I think Tomlin's a good coach. I think that Tomlin will get the best out of him. I am really hoping that these guys, like Levis, even if they come out and they absolutely ball out, I think are going to be scrutinized a little bit more. That's if the NFL is actually going the direction that I want it to, because constantly seeing these Geno Smiths uh, and Christian Ponders get drafted in the first round when they have no business, just because they're a quarterback. I'd like to see that stop. And I think this year, maybe just maybe that happened. I don't think Zach Wilson should have been the second pick in the draft when he came out, but it, Hell no. It's just how I'm hoping this year has made teams realize that you can navigate your draft without that. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. So I agree with you here. I think he's, he's way lower down uh, in my opinion. And I just don't see him doing what's needed uh, to, to your right, make him a, a top 10, even a first second round pick. I think you're st- he's staring at the third, fourth round for sure. What's next. Next, we got the Alabama backfield who, you know, we love Alabama. We love Alabama running backs. So, of course, there's four Alabama running backs in the top 50 running back rankings for both of these services. So we're going to touch on all of them. Um, The first one is obviously uh, Georgia Tech transfer Jameer Gibbs, who is the RB3 for both. Uh, Then we've got uh, Jamarian Miller who is a freshman this year. He was the RB19 for Debbie Royale and the RB25 for Campus to Canton. Uh, Then we've got Jace McClellan. Uh, He's going to be a third-year running back there. Uh, At Debbie Royale, they have RB20 and C2C RB16. And lastly, we've got Emmanuel Henderson, who's another freshman running back there. Debbie Royale, RB23 and Campus to Canton, RB46. So a bit of a disparity there. Um, but I'll start off with Gibbs, uh, RB three. I'm okay with that ranking for both of them. I think we both, we, everyone will agree that the top two is very clear with, uh, Robinson and Travion Henderson. I think you can make an argument for Zach Evans and Nick Singleton. I certainly would make an argument for Nick Singleton, uh, and Will Shipley even, uh, some people might throw Braylon Allen, Sean Tucker into this conversation for RB three. Right. Uh, but, but for me, I'm fine with Jameer Gibbs being three. He's obviously dynamic out of the backfield with uh, 1.54 yards per team play and an elite reception yards market share. Uh, He had in his sophomore season, 19.5% market share reception yards. The only better sophomore season in the last 10 years was Christian McCaffrey. And nobody had a better freshman reception yard market share than his 15.2%. So really the only question for Jameer Gibbs is his size. He's just barely crossing that 200 pound threshold. Um, 
he probably isn't even that, uh, you know, college teams tend to, uh, fudge the numbers a little bit. To yeah. He's, he's probably 195. Like he's right, probably exactly. five. He's probably five ten, one ninety 195, 192 is what I would guess. Yeah. But uh, I think that. Go sorry, ahead. I was just gonna say I just find it surprising that four Alabama running backs, right? You had Najee Harris, Damian Harris. Uh, just going back to the last, uh, the rushing yards leaders over the last couple of years. You had Damian Harris. You have uh, Najee Harris, um, Derek Henry. Right, obviously a monster. TJ Yeldon was a fairly big back. Eddie Lacy, very big back. Trent Richardson, an absolute hammer in the backfield. Mark Ingram. These are the rushing leaders from Alabama over the last five to seven years. He's not right. that big. Even Glenn Coffey. Glenn yeah. Coffey was a bigger back than Gibbs. So I am concerned that he doesn't fit the um, every down frame that Alabama likes to use. Maybe we're going to see a more wide open Alabama offense. I'm concerned that he gets banged up or is not able to, how, how do I put that? Uh, he's not going to be able to do what's needed to survive an Alabama offense as a, as the premier runner. And if we see any kind of split in that backfield, I think it's going to hurt that number three overall when there are just other guys willing to step up that maybe fit their team a little bit more. Very interesting to see. This is the first time, like I said, coffee was from 2008. It is the first time in a long time. There's possible size concern that I can remember out of an Alabama starting running back, but he has some pedigree. He's played well before he's shown a lot explosive player, I'm concerned about the size. It sounds funny to say in college football. It's just so not Bama. Uh, No, that's a good point. And I never really thought of it because even Brian Robinson last year, you know, bigger guy. Um, But what I was going to say was I think Christian McCaffrey is honestly a pretty good comp for him. Who's also kind of a diminutive NFL running back. You know, when you look at the size of the other guys. Um, And so if he does go out and have a dominant year at, at Bama, I think first round draft capital is not out of the question for him. But he has to put up a Christian McCaffrey type season right. for that to happen. Najee Harris had quite possibly one of the better college running back seasons, and he was a questionable at best first round draft pick. Uh, in the NFL, I think the days of the first round running back could quite possibly be dead outside of guys like beyond and maybe some other guys that are quote unquote possible generational talents. I think that if he comes in at a James cook size without James cook receiving ability and at least TJ Yeldon running ability, I think first round is completely off the table, but that shouldn't push him down below the fifth running back on your Debbie board. I think that there's opportunity there. Um, this could be a situation where he stays. Uh, I believe he's a junior this year, if yes. I'm not mistaken. I think there's a possibility that he's one of the, the running backs from Bama that stays two years. I think he could easily pass on 2023, given we'll see how the season goes. Maybe he gets a little bigger because the NFL, if he weighs in at the combine and sizes up and he's under 200 pounds and he's 5'10", it will not matter that he went to Bama. The NFL will not care. They will care how big he is. Just statistically, for your fantasy purposes, undersized running backs do not meet the requirements necessary. James Cook going at 106 shouldn't be happening. Okay? It just shouldn't be happening, but we'll see. I'm excited for him, but we'll see. I'm concerned. I just want to note it. His size does concern me. So we'll be very – because obviously we don't have speed score metrics and things that we can talk about when it comes to that. We're just looking about traditional Bama backs, and I am concerned. There is concern for me. But I don't see a reason to kick him out of the number three spot yet. I like Shipley there, but you're you're pulling strings at that point. And favoritism, I did draft Shipley, so shout out. Yeah, and I drafted Singleton. Granted, you know, obviously Gibbs is off the board for both of us at that point in time. But I think I would prefer Singleton at that point. But it's to me, it's just like a toss up. You know, Gibbs is out. Like I said, he's he's generational in his receiving ability out of the backfield, but. 
can is the size is definitely something you have to take into consideration. But let's move on. Um, next, we got Jace McClellan, uh, who I mentioned RB twenty for Debbie Royale, uh, Campus to Canton RB sixteen. This is a guy who has had some bad luck, um, and he's just kind of a, I guess, victim of the Alabama recruiting machine. Uh, yeah. So he sat behind Najee as a freshman. And last year he sat behind Brian Robinson. Uh, he did get playing time last year, but his season was cut short due to an injury. So he finished with only 40 carries, 191 yards, 10 receptions, 97 yards, four total touchdowns. He did have some flashes against Florida and Southern Miss. Uh, but obviously now with Gibbs showing up, he's getting relegated yet again. Um, so personally, I'm kind of out on McClellan. He's he did he's a guy who came in who was a high recruit. Um, I don't have any shares of him, so I'll just put that disclaimer out. Um, but at that price point where he's at in like the late RB teens, early 20s, I'd much rather take a guy that's going to start this year and could potentially be drafted this year, like Kendall Milton, Zach Charbonnet, uh, or I could grab a freshman, while, like one of the guys we're going to be talking about here coming up. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. I think he's he's quite possibly destined to just be another Brian Robinson, right? Where they, they yeah. might just constantly be looking to replace a player like this. But in today's day and age, there's a very good chance to get a transfer. But what player in the right mind wants to transfer out of Alabama? Right? Like no. it's if you get the chance, if you win the job, your your draft stock is pretty much locked. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I agree, I would pass and look at the freshman here. Uh, what do you have next? So this next one, Jamarian Miller, uh, Debbie Royale's RB19, so just ahead of Jason McClellan, and Campus of Canton has him at RB25. Uh, he was the sixth-ranked running back in the 2022 composite rankings uh, for 2022 freshman recruits. He comes in at 5'10", 195, so we can speculate that he'll probably add anywhere from like 12 to 15 pounds to that frame. Um, I think he's going to see some run this season. It might not be a lot because we, like we said, Alabama's got depth for days. You're probably going to see a lot of some Roydell Williams, you know, guys that really aren't really Debbie or have much NFL potential uh, get rotated in there as well. But I think Jamarian Miller is going to play a little bit here. Um, And he's my pick to take over this backfield after Gibbs eventually does go pro. Um, So I'm happy to take him where he's, with Debbie Royale in the late teens there. And I would take him before a guy like Chase McClellan. I'm so sorry. I was so distracted. I uh, took a big uh, breath of air and I got Cajun seasoning up into my brain. <laughs> I have to recover. Woo! That is a kick. Oh my God. That is. Forget smelling Maybe. salts. You need to get like a neti pot and just clean yourself oh up. Oh my gosh, that took me by surprise. But I, I do agree. He he could quite possibly take over. But I also don't love his size for Alabama either. But it's very, very, very possible these guys are just continuing to get bigger. Like it's very right. possible we see that for all of these Alabama backs. They just all seem a little small. And you never know. They could go and recruit some freshman who's a 6'1", 220-pound kid from from Texas or something. And next thing you know, he's their starting back right out the gate. So I think with Alabama running back specifically, you're always playing with fire if you don't have their number one guy. You're always playing with fire over the next year or the year before that because now, especially with transfer portals, oh my God, imagine a guy like, it's not going to happen, but let's just play a hypothetical game. Beyond all of a sudden transfers from Texas to Alabama. Mm -hmm. And you thought you were sitting there thinking you had – the next guy from Bama. What if they're like, yeah, we don't like that. Here's this NIL deal. You come over here, Mr. Number one running back in the country. We'll win you a national championship. All of a sudden, everything changes. This is why I think NIL deals will continue to shake everything up. Look, I want to take a break. I think we're going to, we're, we're going to cut out the last running back. Cause it's, it's a little bit low on the chart. I think we've hammered home uh, the, the Bama running backs. We're going to talk about two receivers when we come back to close this thing out. But first, I'm going to play a clip from another one of our previous shows. Uh, I believe this was two Full Tilt Dynasty podcasts ago. One of my favorite moments from that show. Uh, I didn't love it at the time. I I did. What am I kidding? I I love all of our programs all the time. 
Here's a clip from that show, and we come back. We're going to dip into the wide receivers. Why am I here? <laughs> this is going to make the next clip on the next episode for sure. Oh, I was going to say, this is going to make for a great commercial break next We time. ended the game. We ran a clip. We came back and introduced the new gimmick. I led it, and Jacob's thinking we're... <laughs> Tom is up there in the corner. He went, that was a great job for the debut of Billy's Big Bang. Well, it was so Cut good. I wanted to keep playing. Why am I here? Introduced everything. All right, everyone. This is your new host of the show, Patrick. Uh, he's going to be taking over from now on because I'm not needed. Yeah, Patrick, the HRL pack almost had to take over for that show. Didn't matter how many cutaways we did. Uh, Jacob was so focused on his waiver wire ads, which I can't blame him. The man's very busy that he completely lost track of where we were on the show and could not cover it up like he normally does. Because I know that happens to him quite a few times. Because, again, he's very busy. But look, when it comes to fantasy football, guys, it never ends. And right now, Best Ball Mania 3 is still going on, not to mention the puppy. And you might be asking yourself what that is. Well, that's a part of Underdog Fantasy. The best place to play fantasy football this summer is underdog fantasy their best ball mania three tournament has 10 million dollars in total prize money it's a lot of money and the best part is you just have to draft your fantasy football team you don't have to worry about when you're going to put will fuller in and that's it there's no waivers no trades no in-season management underdog gives you your best score each week so you cannot screw it up the highest scores at the end of the year they win everything the champion of best ball mania last year drafted in june so there's no time like the present, seeing as how it is June, to join Underdog and take your shot at a million-dollar draft. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code Full Tilt. That is four free entries into Best Ball Mania 3, and that is 20 free entries into the puppy. You're not going to want to miss out on all of this. So what are you yourself waiting for? You're going to want the money do a lot of things with that money. And you can also continue to play underdog with that money. Head to underdogfantasy.com or the app store. Sign up for underdog with the promo code full tilt F U L L T I L T. I can spell now and draft your best ball mania three or puppy team today. That's underdog fantasy promo code full tilt. And do not forget to catch cash considerations with Jacob and I, Jacob and friends, however you want to say it. We're going to have guests where we will live draft teams and you would have missed out if you did not watch the first episode of Catch Considerations as we got cube naked QB sniped three times in one draft. Couldn't believe it. That's how it breaks sometimes in best ball. It, it's a lot of fun. I'm getting more and more into it. We love uh, underdog fantasy and i also want to shout out one more time i'm just going to get them all out of the way here before i forget this beautiful thing right here well this is the full tilt dynasty podcast custom championship belt andy and i don't know if you know this or not i might have stated it or not i am a former five-time professional wrestling tag team champion and i gotta tell you i've held title belts across the great country of canada i've gone through tables climbed up ladders taken chair shots to the head all for the glorious championship belts that i've won in my career and i gotta tell you this championship belt is so legit it would be passable at any pro wrestling show as their own heavy weight title. I'm very proud of this. You can go and get yourself one of these at trophy smack. You can go to trophysmack.com, get a belt, a chain, a trophy, get whatever you want on it, put it in the cart, put a ring in the cart, use promo code tipple. That's nipple with a T T I P P L E. And your $60 championship ring, this bad boy right here, it's absolutely beautiful. It is glistening in my lights. That becomes free for you. So go to trophysmack.com. Use promo code TIPPLE. As long as you have the trophy, the title belt, the chain, and the ring in your cart, that ring, $60 value, free. You can't miss it. And, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast Discord is very much free. It is very much open. It is very much alive. And well, you can get that link in my profile and the Full Tilt Dynasty at Devi. Uh, oh my God, at Devi Tilt at Dynasty Tilt 
for that as well. Woo! Ads out of the way. That's what I'm here for. That is what I am good at. All right, let's go. Take a pull. Mike's hard. Ooh, I'm going to have to. <laughs> the two receivers we're talking about are in line right now as possibly the number one receivers off the board in rookie drafts next year, Andy. So I find it very interesting that there's any disparity at all in uh, the in the in the rankings for these two players. So why don't we walk through what's happening right now with Njigba and Booty? So yeah, there isn't much of a disparity, but it's big enough to I think where we need to talk about it. In that, uh, Devi Royale has JSN uh, ranked as wide receiver one. And Boutte is wide receiver two. And C2C has it the exact opposite. Boutte, wide receiver one, JSN, wide receiver two. And I think this is a, it's a good argument that people should be having. Um, but for me, I'm, I lean one way and we'll get to it. But uh, first, we'll just start off with JSN season last year. Uh, he finished with 95 receptions, 1,606 yards, nine TDs. Uh, good for 3.25 yards per team pass oh. attempt, which is pretty good considering he played with two first-round selections in this last 2022 NFL draft. I will caveat that 347 yards and three TDs came against a game where those two didn't play, those two being Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. But I'm not that sure how you can – That does well for him this year, in my opinion, seeing how those two yeah, guys right. are not on the team. So I was like, how can you – you can't really look at that stat line and say, like, oh, well, look at that, you know. Those guys were playing. He still had 350 yards and three touchdowns, which is crazy. Um, he finished with the highest PFF receiving grade on the team. Um, had a ridiculous four yards for route run. Uh, primarily played as a slot receiver, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see him if he's asked to do a little bit more this season. Play the what, wor- what worries me is that it's already come out that they plan to use him heavily in the slot again, and I think mm-hmm. that's good. I don't think that matters in fantasy football as much as it used to because slot no. receivers like uh, the GOAT himself, White Mamba of the NFL, Cooper Cup, the now highest-paid receiver in the league, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is right. a primary slot favorite, and slot-wide receivers are a hot commodity in fantasy football now that PPR is really becoming the power format, in my opinion. So I don't think this really kills him, but I think it limits – what will will transfer over in the NFL? I mean, we saw Traylon Burks go, um, you know, pretty early in the draft, and he was a primary slot weapon. I I do want to point out, uh, Lucas just put put in the chat. Booty just got called out by Brian Kelly for skipping workouts, so he's already thinking business first. Uh, in, in the oh, next, I was going to get to that. <laughs> All right. Well, I, hey, I, I'm shouting out Lucas here. He's back there putting no, the work. No, I know. I'm glad he's, he's he's helping out. It's great. He, he's putting the work in. We love it. We're expanding here, right? We're live producers feeding this info. I absolutely, I love this program. I love how we're developing. It's phenomenal. But when it comes to the slot work, it doesn't concern me as much as I think it might concern NFL GMs for his size and how it works. So. Uh, that does bother me. He will need to prove that he can win outside, which is where I think the LSU standout already can. So walk us through that. So yes, Boutte uh, had a great freshman season. Booty, it could be Booty. I'm Canadian, and you would think that I would be able to enunciate the Frenchness of that name correctly. That's a good point. Yeah, I I can't. I can't. Not all Canadians speak French, though. So I feel that like I'm exaggerating lie. the Frenchness of it. Like if you asked him, he'd probably say oh, it's just booty. But hey, <laughs> Boutte. Hey. So, but yeah. anyway, he uh, he obviously got hurt last year. So through five and a half games, he had 38 receptions, 509 yards, and nine TDs. Pretty good uh, in those six games. 2.2 yards per team pass attempt. Easily the best wide receiver on his team. Uh, 2.27 yards per route run. He can play anywhere, like we said. He's he play out of the slot, play out, out wide, 50-50 split basically on where he was lining up last year. Uh, no doubt he's talented. Uh, but the questions, which Lucas helped us out earlier, uh, obviously the injury. He had two surgeries this offseason to repair whatever it was. There's some Ooh. speculation that it, it could have been a Liz Frank injury. It could have been an Achilles. It's obviously college football, so we don't really know what it was. 
Um, and then Brian Kelly, like uh, Luke was saying, he's the new coach there. Uh, QB Max Johnson transferred to Texas A&M. So there's a lot of turnover there as far as what's going on at LSU. Uh, and then, yeah, at, at Brian Kelly's spring presser, he stated that he didn't even – he hardly spoke to Butte. Uh, and now he's calling him out for skipping workouts and skipping team meetings. Um, so I think there's some red flags that we're starting to see. Uh, and I, I honestly I, – I think there's a realistic shot that he just doesn't play this season. He pulls a Jamar Chase uh, in 2020 where he just sits it out. I think he's already put enough on the field right now to where if he can – show up to the combine in 2023 and put out some good metrics and show that the injuries, you know, not a, it's a non-factor. He's going to get first round draft capital. No doubt in my mind. I think Uh, he's already locked in on that. Yeah. I I think, I think he's locked in on that personally. Yeah. No, if he, if he tests, like the, if the injury is not an issue, he's, he's a top 10 pick at this point. Um, Top tier route runner creates the separation. Good after the catch. He's fast. He's versatile, like we said. So the only thing that we have is this. You know, is he going to play this year? Is he? What's he going to do? Uh, I feel like that's going to, you know, slide the value a little bit if he doesn't play or if he doesn't play a full season. Um, I think, right now, I think he has to play. He has to play. He's I think not so at too. a point where I don't think he's at a point where he can just be like, I'm good. I think he has to come Jamar, out and show that he can't Jamar Chase. Yeah, his, no, because his it's completely year. different. Yes. It's completely different. It's he's coming off an injury. This isn't the COVID season. He needs exactly. to show that he can he can just go out and do it again. Um, you know, with all these question marks surrounding that injury. Uh he's going right now in an ADP of eight. So obviously mid to late first round. If I'm at that spot, I I really just would hate to be there. Um because I think you're kind of pigeonholed into getting Boutte at this point, because there is a big teardrop after that. Um, if you're lucky, uh, maybe Quinn Ewers drops, but you know, you were in Devi draft together. I think you were 107. You took him there, which I think was a good pick. Yes. Um, not about booty, but I, 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 I Boutte, we're going to go with Boutte. I think, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely going to go with Boutte. It was close for me, but I just think the quarterback advantage, um, and I know Alfred Fernandez of C2C, who I was talking to, said he wouldn't take a quarterback out uh, until the top eight were gone already. I I, do, I didn't believe in Boutte uh, as as strongly as he did. But uh, he had a good freshman year, 735 yards on 45 receptions, five touchdowns. Yeah. I just want to point out that in those games that he played, five games, nine touchdowns, with the longest being 64. Uh, Lucas has here uh, seven of 25 on contested catches. That's not terrible. Not great, but not terrible. I think he has decent size, six foot one ninety. That's listed on ESPN. Who knows what it actually is? I think that the idea of the alpha wide receiver could possibly be changing right now, and and it'll it'll come back. But who knows uh, where it will reside in the end when it comes to what's the alpha, what's not an alpha, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, LSU's schedule, though, uh, I have concern here for LSU, especially with who's throwing on the ball this year. I think that's. De- I think that matters a little bit more than what people may think. Uh, But you got the Seminoles, uh, Florida State, week one. I think you could do okay against that secondary. Then you got the Southern Jaguars. I mean, that's the typical cakewalk game. Then you got Mississippi State, not totally pushover, but I think that game could end up being a little more competitive. New Mexico. So he's got a decent schedule to start the year. Auburn. And then he gets to Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, Bama, Arkansas, another fluff game against the Blazers, and then he finishes the year with the Aggies. I think, personally, if he comes out guns blazing over the first five weeks of the season, I think his draft stock is going to be locked in. If he struggles and then has to go through that, I guess, murderer's row of the LSU schedule, I think there's going to be some doubts. And especially with the injuries, if he's slow this year, I think... I think another season in college is definitely possible for him because yeah. he's coming off the injuries. If he doesn't perform the way people are going to be looking for the next LSU star wide receiver, it's just how it's going to be. And if he doesn't perform with that and he can go, Oh, well injuries and injuries and injuries. And he makes it through this season. And it's not as online with how things were looking for him from his freshman year to his sophomore year. 
I think we could see a return season for him. And that would worry me when it comes to my Debbie team. Like it would very much push him way, way down. So I think that that's possible. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's important to mention that the, the days of no one coming back for their senior season is kind of over. Especially again, NIL deals and how college teams are working these days. I think that it's more possible if he just doesn't absolutely come out and the committee doesn't go, yeah, you're locked in first, second round. Like you're, you're locked. If that doesn't happen and it's a long shot. I'm not sitting here saying that it's even probable. I'm saying that it's possible. And in college football, a lot of things are possible that you didn't believe. There, are, How many college players do you think Eric Gray was locked in as, as an absolute stud, sputtered, didn't go well. Now he's a forgotten man wearing the number zero. Okay. Which is a, which is just an offense to any jury. If you wear the number zero, chances are you're awful. Uh, and you d- deserve that number. So it just because something doesn't seem probable doesn't mean it's not possible. So I'm very concerned with the back half of that schedule. And of course, we don't know how teams are actually going to be, how good they're going to be, how things are going to work, how it's going to shape out. It's no different than planning your fantasy football teams based around early season schedule releases. Don't fucking do it. But and it's possible. Uh, we at least have to look at that. So I believe the safer option is in Jigba, but we don't know. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Like, JSN's locked in in my wide receiver one right now. Utez has got way too many question marks. I could be wrong, and I think it's... I know, hope we're wrong. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And I, I'm, I was on the Butte train last year, big time. And I'm not saying I'm off the Butte train now, either. It's just, you know, if you're, t- if you're talking one versus two at this point, you gotta go with the guy who's Played at Ohio State, who's obviously put a ton of wide receivers in the NFL, and he dominated there with two first-round picks on that same roster. I agree. Yep. Um, I also think that, I mean, people are really going to expect and quarterback play Stroud. I mean, yeah, I, right. I'm, I'm going to take him. We're talking about a potential top four draft pick in the NFL next year. I don't think it'll happen, but it's possible. Um, yeah, that was that was the other thing you were mentioning. Like quarterback play at LSU, like they could. It could be Jaden Daniels, who is the Arizona State transfer. Who's he's just he's not he's a good player, but he's a guy. That's yeah, he's a guy, and he he likes to run. He's a running quarterback, so that's gonna really just take the the air out of the ball as far as you know the passing game goes. He is going to need to be hella efficient. Well, Andy, this is episode three. I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Look, if you go back to listen to episode one and two, episode three. We're getting it together. We're figuring this show out. It's going to keep growing. I loved this episode. I loved having Lucas here. Shout out Lucas uh, for hitting the hitting the buttons, doing the research, hanging out with us, making sure this goes clean. Final thoughts, Andy, before we get the heck out of here. I will just say, like, originally we had planned to do a G5 wide receiver deep dive, and then this was completely unplanned, but the guys over at C2C, uh, uh, the the Debbie debate actually did that yesterday as well. So I was like, eh, you know, we got enough stuff here. We might as well cut that out. But I thought that was interesting. <laughs> well, the beauty is you and I can go over that and throw that in the full tilt dynasty podcast discord for our discord fam. We will be putting out content exclusively for that discord that will go nowhere else. It will just be there. And as you can see at the bottom of the screen, you can go to patreon.com backslash full tilt dynasty discord, get in it's right in the message. The link is there. All you got to do, read the rules, authorize yourself, get yourself verified and you're in access to myself and every other member of the full tilt dynasty podcast. We're going to do ranks. We're going to do all the great stuff. And in season, I will be throwing those highlights that I always throw on Twitter for people who can't watch the games, I'm going to try to get every touchdown. We're going to work as a team. We're going to throw it in that discord for you. If in, in case you're not able to watch red zone that day, you just want to be caught up or you just want to talk about it. We just want to create a community, the full tail honesty podcast, listeners, fans, friends, Promote your content if you're a content creator. We have the gaming section, Full Tilt Dynasty Gaming Network, which we are building. Uh, Lucas and myself both stream video games whenever we can. When we're not buried in our football work. Just a wonderful community. It's already popping. We've already got questions flying around. People talking drafts. 
absolutely fantastic. If you're one of the first 25, you're automatically entered into the Debo Samuel uh, signed jersey. My final thoughts of the day, they're always the same. Uh, They haven't changed in a long time, and I don't think they will. Every day, I'll say this, every single day, more and more crazy shit is happening, not just in the U.S., but all over. It's every day important to check in on your friends, your loved ones, family, doesn't matter. Even if you're not the biggest fan, check in because you don't know. And if you yourself need help, need someone to talk to, need someone to check in on you, reach out if you can. It's necessary. Everyone has to. It's important. With that being said, don't be a giant piece of shit to people on the internet. Be kind with one another. Look out for one another. Support one another. Tune in Saturday. I'm not there, but Lucas and Tom Lee are handling the fantasy walkabout on Saturday. Keep your eyes peeled for a possible cash considerations. Remember that clear eyes, full hearts can never lose and that your best days are always spent tilting. We'll see you in the Discord, everybody. Good night. <laughs>